Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly PR recap and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter and hosted by me, Callie Darcy. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Heather Whaling, and I am the founder and president of Gebbin Communication, an agency in Columbus, Ohio, and we also have an office in Chicago. We've got about 26 people who work with us, and we do traditional and digital PR for clients uh, ranging from startups and emerging brands all the way up to Fortune 100 brands. So how did you kind of get started in like in where you are now and in getting involved with PRSSA? So I had um, worked for other people's PR agencies for probably about eight or nine years before I went out on my own and started Gabin in 2009. When I was in college, I went to the University of Toledo and I was involved in the PRSSA chapter there and I really enjoyed it. And then now as we've been hiring, so we've grown in the past three years, we've grown from four employees to 26 employees. So we've had a lot of growth of late. And during that time, we've built really solid relationships with the PRSSA chapters here in Ohio, especially, but also with PRSSA chapters across the country. And I have found that to be an incredible um, pipeline for us to hire really smart, talented PR pros. So I've spoken at the PRSSA conferences a couple times. We've had agency tours here for PRSSA chapters. I do resume reviews fairly often for students. So I love um, what PRSSA stand for. And I think the students who are involved in PRSSA show that extra layer or extra level of initiative, which I'm always looking for when I'm hiring. So I love when we have a chance to interact with PRSSA. Yeah, because I know that... um... I reached out to you via Twitter and kind of love when that happens. I think that's always great. (laughs) And that was, um, that I cannot take all credit for that. That was definitely some advice from uh, one of our mentors at Grand Valley PRSSA, Adrian Wallace. She was like, Hey, like, I know you've read about, cause I read your blog post, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about. (laughs) Right. And I was like, wow, this is so neat. And she was like, you need to reach out. And I was like, yeah, like what, what's the best plan of action? Like I, I know that there, and she's like, just tweeter she's like just obviously this is someone who knows PR this is someone who like appreciates social media and actually doesn't think it's just for sharing photos so (laughs) I definitely think that this was a learning experience for me also and something that definitely worked out really well obviously um yeah but I think think that social media is so powerful that way yeah I was gonna say I think that this is like what social media was made for (laughs) Yeah. So when I first started my business, so I launched the company in 2009 and those first couple of years, I could trace probably 75% of all of my new business back to relationships that began online. And most of those went back to Twitter. So I used to joke that like Twitter keeps the lights on for us, but it's kind of true. Like it has drastically changed for us. It's totally changed the business development process. Um, But I think in general, it's just changed like your ability to connect and interact with people. So from a student perspective, it just helps open so many more doors for you than probably what were opened before. Yeah, and I recently was able to sit down with some of the members of our chapter who did go to uh, to conference, and I discussed kind of because I was like, you know, it's it's seen as a networking event. Do you think that it worked out well for networking? And a lot of them were like, you know, it was difficult to network in person at it just because there's so many people who want to talk to like so few professionals and you know that's there's just so much going on that you know you maybe if you go to their session you don't necessarily have the time but the ability to connect on Twitter after the fact and talk about like we as GV Paris say we did blogs about so many different sessions and we kind of kept up with all of the national conference and 
so from those, we were really able to connect afterwards for all of the authors to kind of say, like, I really loved your session. I had a, I wrote about it. Like, I wasn't able to talk to you then, but so and so we can talk later, stuff like that. So I think that that just, like, in terms of conference and just in general, like, I think social media is so wonderful. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a little tip that you can pass on to the PRSSA chapter for next year. But one of the things that we've done, this is now our second year doing it because it worked so well last year, but we host a meetup for all of the Ohio PRSSA chapters. So we find like a little restaurant, we rent out a room and we've got like food and drinks and appetizers. And like, um, the whole idea basically is that sometimes at conference it can be so overwhelming because there are so many people there. So we want to bring all these Ohio chapters together who don't normally really have the time to like interact with each other or network with each other. And we just want to be like the hub of that networking and connecting opportunity. So you should find an agency in your area and see if they would partner with you and like co-host an event for all of the PR. SSA chapters in your area and we had probably like 50 or so students from the Ohio and Chicago chapters join us at our networking event and it was amazing wow that's a really good idea I know that um there I can definitely think of a few companies that would definitely be willing to help us we also yeah. are hosting a regional conference in Grand Rapids so nice. I know that we're really really excited to kind of start there and I think that from that I'm sure we can make a ton of connections there and then start maybe making like an annual like all these just come together, not even a conference thing, just kind of like you said, just like a meet and greet, uh, come together. That's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. Like for us, from the agency perspective, it's been really helpful from a talent and recruiting perspective. But even at that event, like there were students who were interested in music or entertainment PR. And one of my practice leaders used to work in PR in New York. And so I was like, well, I can just connect you with her. Or there were other students who like I could say oh this student over here at this school is interested in this same thing that this student over here is interested in here you two need to talk to each other and they probably never would have connected had we not been able to put them in the same room like that so it's a really like great networking it's a way to add purposeful networking when you're at a conference yeah that's awesome advice I don't it seems like something that you would think like you'd think oh it's a no-brainer to do that but then it just never gets done unless it's like an yeah like yeah, when we did the one, so we did the first one, I think it was in Atlanta last year at PRSSA, and like we were apparently the first agency to do that for the state chapters in our area, and so there were so many people who just thought it was so cool, and they were so excited about it, and so all of the like PRSSA students were like buzzing about it, and it was just such a neat thing, so it was like a no-brainer for us to do it again this year. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely, hopefully people listening around the Grand Rapids area <laughs> who love GVPRSSA will want to help us out with that. Hey, see, exactly. I'm looking at you, 834 Design. Uh, <laughs> so I reached out to you because, um, well, A, you're wonderful and just a, Thanks. a powerful <laughs> PR woman who I really like the idea of, of having mentors that are women who can also kind of help understand what it's like to, to find the intersectionality between kind of being in the business and also being a gender and then also trying to kind of make this connection. And I think yeah. that I, so I study advertising and public relations at school, but then I also study women, genders and sexualities. So I really love and live for these kind of intersections. And this is kind of like, I'm like geeking out about it because granted it's, it's based off of in this case and really negative crisis situation, but oftentimes it can be a lot of rebuilding and rebranding in terms of, um, like togetherness that I really appreciate. Yeah. So yeah, it was, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Oh no, God, God. 
I'll say, how about you kind of explain in your words kind of what, what happened? Yeah, so um, the, Teresa Payton, who's the former CIO of the White House, so a brilliant woman, was on stage giving a morning keynote presentation, and I'm sitting in the audience like listening, and I come across a tweet, one that says, I'm going to gobble the words up a little bit, but basically to the effect of like, Teresa Payton's giving a presentation, um, too bad she's wearing a shirt that is distracting and leaving us wondering what's underneath. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I like looked. I was like, what is she wearing? And she was just wearing like a, a regular like shirt that had a keyhole and she had like a camisole underneath it. So I mean, she used to work at the White House. It's not like she was wearing like bar clothes or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was fine. But so I responded to that tweet. I retweeted it and added my little two cents of commentary, basically saying that if you can't listen to a brilliant woman talk about, you know, talk on stage without wondering what's underneath her clothes, then that's on you, not on her. Um, so I sent that tweet and had a number of people reach out to me and, and I was, you know, and then as I was sitting there, I was kind of stewing about it a little more and realized I had more than 140 characters to say about this very issue. Um, and I'm also a big believer that if there's something that you see or you don't like, that you can't just complain about it, like propose a solution, which would have been a little hard to do just on Twitter. So I like decided to leave the presentation, grabbed my laptop, went and found a place to sit down at the conference and um, just started writing, right? I'm a PR person. I write. That's what I do. So I just started writing. And out came this blog post that um, it's PR teeny is the blog. So prtini.com slash PRSA, if you want to go read it. Um, basically, the blog post explained the situation and explained how um, that this should be a wake up call for the industry. So in public relations, about 70% of practitioners are women, and yet only 30% of agency or high level leaders are women. So there's this huge drop off between the number of women in the field, and then the number of women who are leaders in the field. Um, that is not for lack of interest or lack of trying. There's, you know, that's a huge drop off. There's clearly something else going on. And I think this tweet was indicative of that. As much as we like to think that the PR industry is so female friendly because there's so many women in it, there's clearly still a level of sexism and implicit bias that is built into the industry that as an industry we need to address. And so in my blog post, I called on PRSA to add a track of programming at the conference next year, whether it's women in leadership or workplace innovation, something like that. But the idea being that we should have a track of content that addresses these hard issues and figures out how do we as an industry move forward. So it could be things like salary negotiation for women. It could be, you know, are you reinforcing gender norms at your company and how, what do you do about that? What is gender bias? What is implicit bias when you're in the hiring process? How do you um, eliminate some of these biases? So that it's a fair hiring process. So I had like seven or eight proposed sessions that I thought off the top of my head that I thought PRSA could add into the programming next year. Um, and, you know, I get that it's hard to add a whole new track of programming. So I volunteered to do it. So if PRSA will agree to let us add the track and help us, you know, add, get the space in the, in the conference center, then I will happily volunteer to help put that content together. Um, and so I published the blog post, like not knowing what was going to happen. And I shared it on Twitter and there'd been a handful of people who had been like interacting with me a direct message about this. And so I sent them the blog post and was like, this is how you'd like to see, like, I think we should take action around this. And then all of a sudden people started sharing it and then more people started sharing it. Um, and by the end of the conference, it was the number one trending article. So, um, if you look at all the, the links and content being shared at PRSA, this blog post was the number one article being shared. And if you look at a word cloud of all of the topics that were being discussed, 
discussed at PRSA, sexism is the dominant word, but then it's things like shirt, distraction, bias, like all these other very related topics. So it was clearly the issue that came to dominate the conference. Um, So it was was a situation that I didn't necessarily think I was going to find myself in the middle of, but I'm really, really glad that we've helped start a conversation that is much needed in our industry. So I think it's so smart that there's, that more than just complaining about something going on, that there's action being taken. Um, Mm -hmm. I learned that a lot in my classes of just like how to, you know, grassroots like activism, like feminism in terms of, you know, you can, you can complain all you want, but that's not going to change anything. I think it's just a good way to like live your life, right? Like I don't think it has anything to do with feminism or activism. I had a, actually the line, no problems, only solutions came from a startup client that I used to work with in San Francisco. That was their thing. Like we're a, we're a startup, we're a growing company. There are going to be problems, but don't just complain about it. Bring a solution. So that no problems, only solutions mentality, I try to apply across the board, whether it's a situation with a client or a situation with a friend or a situation like this. So we did have, um, I talked about it with some of the members from who went to nationals and there are just a couple, just kind of questions that came up in terms of creating this, um, kind of new content for, for like a conference. How do you think people would react and how many, how do you think people would, would go? Do you think it would be women only going or how do you think you would get kind of all, all population of the conference to want to go to this? I think that this is not a women issue. This is a like people issue. So I think the programming needs to be built in a way like, yeah, there are probably some panels that'll be more relevant to women. We know that 70% of our industry is women. So it's okay if we have some content that is mostly geared toward women. Um, at the same time, I think we also need to have like a men who get it panel. So I, and that was one of the ideas that I had proposed. And there were a number of men who reached out to me, like um, a friend of mine who's a professor in public relations, a friend of mine who works at Edelman. Like there are lots of people across the industry who are really great men who get it, who champion women in their office and who champion women, you know, students and help mentor them as they're getting started in their career. There are lots of great smart men in the industry and we should put them also up on a panel and talk about like, what do they do and how do they go out of their way to help women continue to grow in their career? Um, but you know, things like gender bias, that's not a woman's issue. Like, so I'm the mom of a three-year-old son. So this is a topic that's really important to me because I don't want him or little girls to feel like there's a box that they have to fit into as they're growing up. Like if you think about, you know, if you draw a box and say like, what define, what are some characteristics of men? And then you have another box that are, what are some characteristics of women? Well, we shouldn't force people to live in those boxes. And that's basically what gender norms is. And that's a conversation that is not just limited to women. Like we need to have that conversation across the industry because if we're putting men in a box, that's just as bad as putting women in a box. So I think the content for this type of track can be developed in a way that is appealing to men and women and younger professionals and more senior professionals. So I think it'll have wide reach and wide appeal. So I really, really hope that PRSA will let us do it. I hope so too. I mean, they're called gender norms, not women norms for a reason. So, yeah. and gender is a fluid motion. So, you know, there's a way, I definitely think that that's something that could be discussed. And I would be definitely interested in also hearing about maybe even the different types of gender bias that people have encountered in the workplace. I think that you kind of hear about um, the big ones, the ones that stand out, the ones that cause crisis, the ones that are blatant. And I wonder if there's maybe um, a disconnect of seeing when, if just like comments are made that it's able, that you can take a little stand and kind of say, Hey, like actually, no, like you don't have, that doesn't have to happen or something like that. I wonder if there's a form of education that can happen in just a term of 
everyday gender bias that can be easily combated, especially within a workplace. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think there are so many different directions that this content can go, and there's no shortage of topics or expert resources. So I think it'll be a really productive conversation. So um, I have had a number of people reach out and offer to help connect me with PRSA. So we're in the process now trying to figure out like, is this possible? And what does it look like? So stay tuned. Yeah, that's wonderful. I hope that if you hear any awesome news about that, we can definitely discuss more about that. Because I think that's something that absolutely is huge and definitely a huge step. And I feel like that makes you kind of definitely like a trailblazer in terms of getting kind of, you know, something that also may seem like a no-brainer to kind of actually happen. Thank you. I appreciate that. So the other piece of this that I think is really important that um, doesn't get talked about a lot is that we can't also be on a witch hunt. So the Pete is the name of the guy who like posted the original tweet that kind of started this whole little kerfuffle. Um, and as I was reading the tweets that people were sending back to him, I felt bad for him. Like, I don't, I don't know him. Like I, I follow him on Twitter, but that's it. Like, I don't know him. I don't even know that I've ever had a conversation with him. Um, so I don't know anything about him, but from what I've heard about him, he seems like just a nice, you know, normal guy who said something maybe that like, maybe he didn't think it all the way through, or maybe it is an implicit bias and he didn't even realize what he was saying. I think we in general, but especially we as an industry need to be careful that we don't like pile on just for the sake of piling on. Like this shouldn't be a witch hunt. Like he himself isn't a bad problem. This is in bias and sexism is in the workforce today and should spark a conversation. But I think we need to be careful about let's have the conversation broadly and talk about how do we fix it going forward and not just like have a witch hunt around this one individual. That's not fair to him at all. Yeah. And I definitely also think a lot of things that I at least I've learned and I would hope to kind of think about when doing this is that people are not bad people. Oftentimes these are things that are that are not corrected in general. So people just don't maybe don't even know that it's like you said, you don't know it's really a bad thing. And to some to some, it may seem like a no brainer, but to others, they may not notice what the implications are of their comments. So Mm -hmm. to kind of come out and and bash someone for what they're saying, it's not necessarily that's not really fair to to correct them Mm -hmm. is one thing. But to kind of bash and like you said, witch hunt and kind of make this kind of just like kind of show like like an anger as opposed to like wanting to fix the problem versus like there's a big difference between actually like working together to correct the 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 action and in a better way for for this human to maybe not make those comments again but if you attack them they're just going to be angry and they're not going to try and yeah, like, I like learn going back to like what we were saying before about no problems only solutions let's just take our frustration and turn it into action instead of just being like mad and like it's so easy to fire off a tweet complaining or bad mouthing or whatever instead of just complaining let's actually take our frustration and turn it into something healthy and productive and let's take action and have a real open honest conversation about this as an industry yeah I definitely think that there's these are all learning opportunities when someone messes up it's almost always a learning opportunity to just not do it again and to realize why it's wrong and I think that it's so much easier to be angry than it is to try and correct the problem and maybe and there might be kind of like a oh like no one's gonna change but maybe just no one knows what's really wrong and people to do change, change. I mean 
that's social change, right? Like there's, so I'm on the board of the women's fund and we talk about like the five stages of social change and you have to start somewhere, but and it, it's a long process, but you have to start somewhere. And that sometimes starts with identifying the problem and having a conversation about it so that people can start to figure out their own views that they bring to the situation and how to deal with those or account for those. But I mean, social change is hard. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't start and try. Yeah. And also it just takes time and, and power. Like the more that people can actually learn about what's why it's wrong. And I think also sometimes people who just get angry about something like this is because they don't know themselves really why it's wrong. They just mm-hmm. kind of hear everyone else say, oh, like, you're so sexist. You did this. And they're like, yeah. But they're not really like thinking like, oh, do I ever make comments like that? Like, do I think yeah. comments like that? Like, is there a way that I can change myself to not to maybe not project that outward so other people think it's okay too? Like it definitely comes from like within to outward versus just like putting someone else down for it. That's why I think the most exciting part about all of this is not just that like we had this conversation at the conference. I think the more exciting or um, inspiring piece of all of this is how many people have reached out to me since the conference saying like, Hey, is PRSA going to let us have this content? If so, I'm going to volunteer and help you put it together. Like count me in, let's do this together. And I think that piece of it is really powerful that there are so many other people who also recognize that this is a problem. And now collectively together, we can figure out a way to start to help put a solution together. That part has been amazing. All of the like days later, I'm still getting people reaching out to me saying like, Hey, I saw this and I want to help. Let's do it. Yeah. Even just when people heard I was going to be kind of talking with you for the podcast, I've gotten so many people asking, well, can you write a blog about it? Can you tell us what's going on? Like, when is it going to go up? Like, what's happening? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm so excited. You guys, it'll happen. I swear. Well, I'm so glad we were able to connect. (laughs) Yes, me too. I know. I'll tell you right now, Grand Rapids is really excited and hopes also that, you know, we can get some new content going in the PRSA nationals. Good. Awesome. Well, I'll keep you posted. Well, I hope so. Stay (laughs) tuned. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you kind of breaking this down and sharing your opinions and thoughts. And um, can you remind everyone again where they can kind of find you if they do have any questions? Yeah, absolutely. So I am PRTini on Twitter. So it's P-R-T-I-N-I, like a martini, but a PRTini. And then my blog is also PRTini.com. And this blog post specifically is PRTini.com slash PRSA. Well, it's a great thing that PRTini is going to be in our PR hangover then. There you go. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it too. I hope we will definitely stay in contact and keep me updated about what happens with um, PRS State Nationals. Absolutely. Will do. Great. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to PR Hangover. If you want more PR news like this, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GV underscore PRSSA. Talk to you soon.